I just did some R and D things. I actually just got all that sugarcane juice. That was the last of the harvest on Friday. Yeah, did you put the dirty cheesecloth? I mean, over? it wasn't dirty cheesecloth. I do poop in it every day, though. <laughs> we have a very um, vastly different definition of dirty. It's not dirty. I poop in it. Sanitary. My diet is mainly alcohol anyway. I it's w- cheesecloth. It strains the bacteria yeah, out. Right? <laughs> yeah, it strains. It's just it science. It keeps all the good stuff in my poop. It puts it right into the rum. Uh, it's not. It's already <laughs> rum too. It's not even sugar. Just rum. Wait, so, you know, I looked at whatever different suggestions and everything. Those are a lot of things that I think that we just go with a low-hanging fruit and just generally just let's talk about yeah, rum. I'm good with talking about rum. Yeah. Let's talk rum. Right? It's the year of rum. Rum. Every year is the year of rum. If you Every, every year is the year of rum. Yeah, I think we could probably use a – I could talk more about how I'm shitting into totes of sugarcane juice. Really, <laughs> it has nothing to do with rum or this podcast. <laughs> it's just a weird, <laughs> like, sexual fetish. It's you like, have. look, my neighbors and I, we get together and we shit in some totes of sugarcane juice. Right? This is the this is the still talking podcast with your host Zeno Colton and myself Brian. Today we are talking about the year of rum, which it's been the year of rum for the past twenty years. If you ask any bartender, next uh, hot bro, trend. Next hot trend. Fernet rum. <laughs> Fernet rum ooh. brandy. Sign me up. Uh, put a slim so We haven't in done it. a spirits centric podcast in a while. So, and by that, I mean a specific spirit. So we're going with rum today. What do you guys want to talk about? We, we obviously in previous podcasts, we've talked about our love of tiki drinks and anything else that has little tiny umbrellas. So it's, this is right up our alley. Rum cream. Rum cream. Fuck yes. Isn't that just rum chata? Yeah, yeah, rum shot. Yeah. Speaking of which, actually, diving back to a um, previous podcast. That's good. That's ours or a good one. Yeah, Yeah, this week on Joe Rogan. Yeah, this podcast is now now just us talking about Joe Rogan clips. Not even a whole interview, just clips that we find on YouTube. Uh, So, Dancing Goat in Wisconsin was the one who ended up buying Death's Door. Death's Door. Um, and the founder of Dancing Goat is the inventor of rum chata. So I did just bring it full, full circle. How about that? Look at full that. circle, <laughs> Boom. full triangle. All right, that's all. That's all. I had. <laughs> no, that's it. That was <laughs> and the that's only our podcast. Thing. Yeah, they won. They won the that's auction. It. I think Final it was thoughts. like. No, I'm. I'm not going to speculate on the number because I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, let's not throw that out there. No, no, no. Please, please do. $37.52. It's out there. I saw the number. Time. I just don't remember because I was... And one doubloon. So. It's all a blur. Yeah, I mean, what what listener may not know is Colton has the memory of a goldfish, so... Wait, what? Uh, what are we talking about? And I mean like yeah. the goldfish crackers, not the animal. <laughs> But they're so delicious. Oh my god! Can you so eat good. just one? Can you eat just one gold? Nobody can eat one goldfish. I think we're crossing brands though. Isn't that Pringles? Like their tagline? Can't just eat one. Maybe that's Lay's. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I can eat one of either. Let's be honest. Let's, yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at the uh, video streams of all three of us, none of us have any yeah. issues with not yeah eating just <laughs> one chip. Like, there's a none lot. of us are like none of us are eating a freaking cheese it and being like oh. Oh, I'm stuffed. 
Sorry. Oh, switching to salary, girls. Has anyone actually eaten salary? I I, I don't think I've ever tasted it. I just ate it when Colton was in town. He did. Why would you? <laughs> he disgusted. It's because he disgusted me so much. I need to do something. Like, salary is cleanse. just a delivery <laughs> vessel for blue cheese. We all know this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll give you that. So again, back to rum. <laughs> it's made with uh, celery, guys. Rum. <laughs> it's it's yeah. made primarily with celery. Harvested. Well, all right, let's talk about why the fuck is every bartender and everyone, why is rum, why is every year the year of rum? Why? Because rum is one of those products that it's fairly stable. I mean, there's always new rum coming on the on the market. The, the name brands that are already out there do pretty consistently well. There's wide demographics of people that enjoy rum. It's got a long history. It hasn't done as well, obviously, as other age products specifically, talking about whiskeys and bourbons, things like that. So I think from a marketing standpoint, people just keep expecting it to be the next, you know, the next spirit to kind of make a splash, at least in our very small cycle of of news and information. Colton. I mean, yeah, right. You always you always be, want to be the guy who called it. Right. And rum is just you know, you're buying a lot of ticket every yeah there. you're buying a lot of ticket you're seeing yeah. if it pays out I mean you know I've heard the same thing about brandy too you know there's always a couple people saying this is the year brandy some years rum and brandy both do better than you would expect and other years they don't I mean they've I've not I mean yeah I don't I, I guess we should identify what would you know what's our definition of the year of rum when will it succeed is it just blow up in popular culture yeah yeah does it have what, to does it have to surpass whiskey sales which is not going to happen in a year <laughs> no but i think that i think that america we don't have an established american rum style necessarily which is so weird with the history of right rum. colonial rum but think about so but yeah but think about this i always come back to sugarcane really doesn't grow very many places in the United States either. So you're not going to get like these agricultural styles, like these weird, fun, like the, you know, the ones in Haiti or some of the, some of these other crazy weird dunder rums aren't really that common unless it's someone at a really small scale experimenting. Right. And I, I guess that's what I'm like, is there space for an American rum? And there are American rums that I really like. Like, I mean, Obviously, we talk about Maggie on here. I like Privateer Rum. I also really, I also really like Baggy's Farm Rum, which is completely different, owned by my friend Tim Russell in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I, I mean, I like both of their rums, but like, what are the big rums out there? American rums, Sailor Jerry. I mean, technically, Bacardi. Technically, Bacardi is well. American rum, right? Is it? No. Where is no. it made? Yeah, I think you're way wrong on that. I'm just throwing that out there. Puerto Rico. And Bayou and Bayou just got bought up. Bayou got picked up by Stoli. The one guild meeting I went to, the the guy, a European guy that Stoli sent, he came to the meeting for Bayou rum. Oh, really? I was like, oh shit, this guy is a boss. You know, he came over here and he's like, oh yeah, I gotta do this rum. Really, they just wanted to expand their portfolio. I don't think that they're going to expand production too much as much as they're going to expand markets. I can, honestly, I've never had Bayou Rum, so I can't speak to anything about it, really. They've got a few different SKUs, but they started at a good time. They grew great marketing. I mean, their packaging was amazing. It was a well-positioned product, so it makes sense that they would actually be able to Did sell they, it. Um, 
And again, we should find out. We should reach out to Trey. I know Trey Lytle pretty well. I can reach out to him and find out so we can actually intelligently talk about it next time and find out if they actually did sell it. Yeah, I mean, I live here. All right, so let's get uh, let's get off by you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, talk I, about that. But okay, but that is an American brand that's done okay. So I'm well. curious, like American brands, but it's are they using regional. you know molasses? I would say mostly, right? Well, because of the nature of sugarcane, you know, it's really, really hard to work with raw sugarcane because you have what 24 hours. They say once it's cut to start yeah, utilizing it. I, yeah, three days. Three days. Really. It was like three the rule days, of thumb, okay. but I could tell you this one. I mean, I got the last cane juice unfiltered i mean they just take out the big fibers uh it got delivered on friday it was the last of the season and man yeah it just i was like i felt a pressure it's real weird right like i'm like i have to do something with this immediately and and i did and it's fine but well and and let's let's even go kind of nuanced here you know for a listener that's never worked with rum before the reasoning behind that is because the natural sugarcane itself the stalks have uh bacteria and yeasts and different microbials that will actively start breaking down and impacting the flavors of those well yeah it'll naturally ferment the biggest issue isn't so much the microbiological flora as it is it's a juice that is enough low, water low concentration. It. So it's like the old, they always used to, there's an old saying, honey doesn't spoil. Well, honey doesn't spoil because it's super concentrated sugar. So any kind of microbiological thing would die by osmotic pressure and metallicize and like w- w- all that. So, but when you're talking about sugar cane juice, there's, there's sugar and there's a lot of sugar, but not enough that it's not very stable. So that's why molasses, a lot of people stabilize it. Even, even uh, I was talking to, so my owner, he went over to Haiti and he was going to like some of the really cool rum distilleries over there. And uh, I was saying, like, oh, how do they stabilize some of it? Because there's no way they're processing all of that all that time. It's just too much cane. And I think they cook like a portion of it, a percentage of it, right? Just like to stabilize it. down like syrup? Yeah, stabilize it. Yeah. Either that or the pH, because some people like pH correct. Which is which is which is well, dunder, and a lot right? of those really really big, which is kind of getting into dunder. dunder. You could, or you could just use like uh, I know there was a guy here when I was looking for some. There's someone here who had frozen juice, and that he pH correct with just citric. I mean, he uses lemon and limes. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I mean, I don't know how stable. I mean, it was. I mean, well, uh, I think it's just. And then he froze it, so I, I don't know. I'm going to get a sample off of him. 18th century stable. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, there's that different thing, right? I think that's that's why I want like Louisiana, Florida, Hawaii, all should be doing like I think sugarcane juice rums because you're going to get completely unique spirits. And we talk about a lot here is the regionality, the terroir, if you will, if you want to be a schmarmy douchebag. And we know you do want to be that. Uh, I am what I eat. Uh, yeah. So I, if you want like a terroir, like, hey, this is only going to taste like there's, you know, and we t- I talked about it before. You know, I'm obviously biased because I make it. I'm here. But like there's rum Louisiana and there can be like rum Florida and rum. It, they're going to be different. It just And there's so many different varietals of sugarcane. So it's beautiful too. It's when I go down and, you know, I, go drive south of New Orleans and you just drive through sugarcane fields. It's freaking awesome. And when they're burning it, 
it smells. Yeah, I mean, there's great. not there's not a American so style rum right now, but there are very large rum producers in America, right? There's an MGP of rum in Florida, right? Yeah. What's their name? Florida Distillers. Yeah, it's very clever. <laughs> right. It's almost as clever as Midwest Grain Products. <laughs> right, but th- but there sh- there should be another one, right? Like go. there should be a competitor. Well, and I think that probably goes to consumer demands. Again, rum just, it hasn't been the year of rum yet. I mean, I'm sure someone could argue that, that there have been higher higher watermarks for rum recently. But, you know, it's, again, it hasn't hit, you know, in terms of aged spirits, bourbon, it's it's nowhere no. near that. I mean, you, all you have to do is look at the sales uh, sales tracker from Discus and ACSA and all those data I don't, projects. And I don't, They're just, I don't expect it to, yet. but I think that one of the things that makes rum approachable and why people were saying that is because, do you guys want to drink a white dog bourbon or a silver rum. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously a bourbon cream. Right. So yeah. (laughs) Like white dog corn whiskey. Thank you. Um, Door number three. So, I mean, I think that there's a little bit of a versatility with it and I know other people that blend it in other spirits. My understanding of silver rum is rum that was aged and the color was then filtered out. So there's white rum, silver rum, and then aged rum. That that that's pro- that's probably accurate. That sounds like something smart. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I honestly, I honestly don't so. know what the T is. That a TTB? Definition no, I don't think thing? it's a TTB definition. I think it's it's just colloquially known as they age it for so many years just to kind of soften it up and then filter the color out and then just filter the shit out of it. Yeah. Cause you know, it still mixes well and drinks that way. And if you have the yeah. economy of scale to do that, it okay. Sense. All right. So still, all right, fair enough. But still, that still rings true. If you do a white rum, right? Like I think that if you give people, if they have bulk white rum or bulk aged rum or bulk silver rum, there's a lot of things that they can do with that to make their own a spiced rum or repackage like people do with GNS or MGP, right? Like, yeah, I guess, I guess thinking about it, it is kind of weird that gin, gin and vodka took off as the sort of bigger cash flow, especially craft distilleries where bourbon's so big. And I think one of the reasons is a sweeter liquor and then white rum is right. Doesn't have to be aged that long. And that's what I consider a sweeter liquor as well. Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, I think there's a lot of people do a lot of spiced rums too. A lot of places that I, they do rums, they do spiced rums, right? Like, which is kind of a pain yeah. in the ass too. Adding simple syrup or potent or things you're macerating, it becomes more of a convoluted process. Harder to keep consistent and, and cost to consume. Yeah, yeah, but does that open the door to some more? I mean, a slightly more innovative products potentially. Yeah. I mean, going back to like a gym. Yeah, I mean, it could, but that's not what I see. I see yeah, spiced I mean, rum with yeah, cinnamon, exactly. clove, nutmeg. Like, I don't see weird spiced rum. I, it would be awesome. Indian spiced rum uh, would be sweet. Listener, do something <laughs> yeah, with your life. There you go. That's the next thing. Somebody get on that innovation train. <laughs> Stop listening to this terrible podcast and go make us some delicious Indian spice Indian rum. Indian spice rum. What is that? Turmeric and coriander, cumin. Yeah, it's making me uh, want to drink more. So I will. All right. Um, I think that I think that where's a place? There's a place for it in 
something else we've talked about just on the last episode. RTD category could move that right. Like we talk about tiki drinks or cocktails or packaged. I think rum lends itself to pre-packaged drinks. How do you really think? Well. Really well. How would you feel about like a, a, a pre-packaged sort of and marketing campaign of RTD tiki? Would it come with it? Would it come with an umbrella like a Capri Sun thing? I come with an umbrella. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> like a Capri Sun thing, you have to stab it into him and suck out the juices. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, this devolved quickly. Actually, you just, as it always does. You just poke it right through me and then watch it spray out both sides. No, I love a tiki. I I mean, I'm sure someone's already contemplating it if they haven't done it in small, you know, in a small market, but tiki lends itself to amazing visuals, design. Does it does it come? Is it is, is it, it a coconut package? It actually comes in a coconut. I, I think that it lent well, I guess since I live in New Orleans now. I could see a lot of that kind of shit being successful because everyone just walks around and drinks here. So I, I could see a rum or like my problem with that, with tiki drinks is how stable are they? Yeah. Probably right. If you pack, I'm sure you could make one though. I mean, there are plenty of good food scientists out there. We're not any of them, but there are, they are out there. Yeah. We know. Some. Yeah. We went to school. With I some. met some yeah. in, in school. We were taught by some, but we did not retain any of that information. Product stabilization. I don't know. What? Why would that be important? How do I, Drink Could you more. Just put it in my mouth. Hey, I don't know what you studied in school, Brian, but uh, anywho. That's All right, so what rums do you guys drink, though? Seriously. Let's seriously talk about it. Besides Maggie's or Maggie's. See, that's the problem. Those are my two go-to. Yeah, whatever. Fuck you, yeah, I, guess I, don't, like you. I don't drink a lot of other rum. That's very, admittedly. it's not very often that I never buy rum neat at a bar, I would say. Mostly because oh. I just don't know enough about the different oh, really? rums on the shelf. Very and if I do get rum it's usually in a cocktail like a tiki and then I'd pay a little bit less attention. Um but what I guess talking to bartenders with American rums especially is why why are they paying this premium price on an American craft rum when they can get these amazing rums from the Caribbean for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I mean I've been drinking since I've been in New Orleans in a front of the distillery is married to a Haitian woman and he is super into Haitian rum agricole. And he brought, I don't know, maybe 35 or 40 different rums for us to drink. And I, I've been kind of like, I, I'd like to explore them. I've been to a few rum bars that I really like, but they're kind of hard to find. That's why if it's the next big thing, where the fuck are all the rum bars, right? That's why I think I, I think the bartenders are biting themselves in the ass by one side of the coin saying, well, it's the year of rum. And then the next, I won't buy American rum because it's too expensive. Yeah. Well, is it the year of rum? Is it the year of Haitian agriculture? And it might be because you can get some of those that, you know, you had the Barbancourt like 15 mm-hmm. year when you were over at my house. Like it's it's really good and it's not that expensive. But if you made that same product here, it would be astronomical. Because the age, right. But then we don't have the infrastructure. and Right. If they started to make fucking bourbon, it would be the same thing, right? They don't have aged bourbon sitting around. Time and infrastructure. So wait, so is it, is, is it the bartenders? Are they saying it's the year of rum? I think they're talking about rums from everywhere else. But I agree. I don't think they're specifically talking about American rums by any means. I think they're just talking about consumer demand for rum. No, but see, that's that's what I think bites them in the ass. The consumers 
you know, trending towards local and craft and, hey, I know the guy that down the street made this and then they're only buying international spirits in the rum category. I don't think I don't think with that attitude you're ever going to have the consumer latch on. Well, there's a few there's a few rum bars here in New Orleans, and there's one when I went to Charleston. There was a really cool rum bar that had a it, like when you get into selection, and then it breaks down the regionality, and when you read about it more and you study, like it's pretty awesome, right? It's all the things that we love. The fermentations can be really cool, right? The distillation processes are really cool. The aging processes are really cool. Uh, it's a big part, a big, I want to say, I don't want to put Solera on the map, but kind of put Solera. Yeah, because really it definitely, it definitely wasn't port and, barrel aging, and right? sherry. That so, the history, the regionality, everything brought, about it. It was important sherry that brought Solera to the forefront. What? They they invented it, but nobody had heard about it until, you know. Well, not in the modern era. I'm like saying in the modern era. I mean, give credit where credit's due. Zacapa and what she did, like, that is what put the Solera barrel aging process on the map where it's when people start talking about it, like, Oh shit. So I, I, I don't know if there's a space for it. I think it's a very vast category, right? Bourbon has like very specific guardrails where rum, you can use the, the same raw material and do many, many different things with it. And there are, there are those definitions. They're just like we talked about, they're sort of industry terms and not official government definitions which there's there's people pushing to change that because there are rules that, that people generally well follow. i don't think yeah and would if if the consumer knew about I it they would probably okay. latch onto it a little bit better and understand the difference of why this room is 80 dollars and why this room is 80 cents well i don't think i can make like i legally can't i don't think i can call it agricole although it is to all extensive purposes rum agricole right and I definitely can't call it cachaça, right? So, right. so, well, so from the Pacific uh, Northwest side, I've seen a few regional brands be semi-successful, more so like you know you were saying on a really hyper local basis outside of inside their tasting room specifically. Um, I know a couple that have actually been somewhat successful with Navy Strength Rum as kind of a kitschy, get people's attention. It's got an interesting history. It stands out a little bit. It gets people's attention. And I think, honestly, it lends itself a little bit more to drinking it straight. You know, actually just drinking it straight, neat, getting a flavor for it. It's incredibly high proof, obviously, but there could be, there's there's some interesting uh, marketing avenues behind that, I think. Yeah. Well, I was talking to you guys about this before we started recording or whatever, but I had talking about interesting high proof rums this it's called Piedmont Boot, which is it really is the Scotch bonnet pepper, and it's Haitian high proof. Where they take raw rum, is what they call it, which is just really high proof rum, and they macerate very specifically twenty one Scotch bonnet or habanero peppers, and then they do they add other spices like ginger and I don't know, I can't remember what all the spices are, but they do this maceration and it's like a whole, it has this whole voodoo culture on it and they like rub it on their face and genitals and it's so like uncomfortably hot from the peppers and the high proof alcohol that they, you know, this person's possessed by a demon on this specific day because that's the only way they could withstand the burning on their face and genitalia. And I'm like, wow, that's spirit. That's the spirit for me. Have um, you checked for demons? I have not. Uh, but I did pour a lot of spirits on my genitals. Um, but I had it. So I had it. This friend this friend of ours, like he brought some over and I'm like, what? what is this? 
And it was like this, you know, flavored rum and it had this heat to it. It was really fucking good though. Like I really enjoyed what it. What part so, of you did you enjoy? So there, there's these... <laughs> yeah. Did you wait till he left or did you just <laughs> drop trowel? It went in a, it went in a hole. I'm just going to say that. Uh, Which is totally clean. Cause there you go. Mouth. And there, I never, I never, I never thought I would say it's totally clean. It went in my mouth would be a clean statement. Right. And that's the kind of innovation we were looking for. That's what I say on the other side of the <laughs> glory hole. Don't worry. That dick's clean. Now it was in my mouth. Uh, good stuff. Guys. Some people call them warts. I call them gum stimulators. No. <laughs> Bumpy for your pleasure. That Piedmont book thing. Uh, the Piedmont Big thing is really good. It was I was pleasantly surprised. The heat I called it, it was like, well, this is hipster fireball, is what I called it. So is that is that the way you see you know a new craft spirit or new craft distillery? Is that their entry into the rum market? Is sort of these no, not interesting at all. That's, flavored that's, rums? Not specifically that voodoo rum. No. I, I think that sure. I think that a lot of people come out with a spice rum because they can take the rum and spice it, get something out really quick turnaround. Uh, I do think, and Brian mentioned it. That's a it's like it's like a gateway spirit for them, right? So, so someone drinks someone drinks a rum and coke, right? And they drink they drink Captain Morgan their whole fucking life, right? And they're like, oh, Captain Captain and Coke, and then they're like, well, here's this spiced rum from this other place, and they're you know the next state over and someone's like, Oh, cool. I'll try that. They have that in a Coke and they're like, well, let me try it without the Coke. Right. And then that leads to, you know how it works. Right. Then they have a podcast about the Rubbing spirit spirits industry. on their body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a video cast. I believe they're referred to as vlogs. Colton, I don't, vlogs. I don't want you to try and say no, technical it's not. things. It doesn't sound right coming out of your mouth. <laughs> technical yeah. things. I don't really want you to say You're anything. a haircut away from being <laughs> Amish. I mean. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. He's not wrong. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was uh, camming. That's that what they call a little it? more specific, I think. But that's like, that's like the commercials that come before my movies. My movies. My <laughs> you make it sound like right. such a dirty old man. Oh, it's time for my movie time. <laughs> When he pops in his VHS. <laughs> My special movie. He's got to blow out the tape deck. Um, funniest porno names ever that you've actually seen. The, the, the Either the, I'm going to say the VHS case or whatever. What's the funniest name you've ever seen? I got mine. I got mine. It's hilarious. Tinker with my stinker. What? I don't know why it's funny. No, my, my go-to is always the parodies. Like, I don't know if anything will ever beat Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Bone. I mean, Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Bone. That's just good. Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I just yeah. I just Googled XXX and watch videos of Vin Diesel usually. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is a porno in itself. <laughs> Oh, that was beautiful, Cole. I thought I thought I thought you were gonna make like an old timey jug of moonshine no. joke there, and you want to completely. I'm really way. proud of you, Colton. I just I'm really proud of you. You went pitch black on me. That's it. What is Vin Diesel gonna go? His uh, celebrity brand. When are we gonna start chugging down That's XXX already, brand? I'm pretty rum. sure there's already a triple X moonshine he something can... that's not owned by the Diesel. We right, need Vin but Diesel. We need Vin <laughs> Diesel. <laughs> But how could it not be like diesel juice or something? <laughs> well, 
Vin Diesel, I'm throwing it out there to you right now. If you want me to make you a spirit on it, on it, I will do. And then we'll put a picture of the rock on it and then everyone will buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't love the rock? Even Vin Diesel loves the rock. Sorry. He's like, well, I understand, guys. No, we cannot. Sorry. (laughs) Now it's rock. Rock Rock juice. juice. Uh, We are great business people. Contact us. We're so smart. Marketing plans on the fly. <laughs> Let us make your celebrity brand. <laughs> All right. If a celebrity actually stumbled upon this podcast, if Chris Pratt doesn't listen to this every day, then I'm going to be incredibly disappointed. That's that's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> he needs a better agent. Uh, okay. All right. So, what do you guys want from Rob? Are we doing final yeah. thoughts? Yeah. What do you want from it? No. No. Okay. We, then we'll get into final thoughts. We're, cl- we're close. I want more innovation. I know that's kind of kitschy and my, my thing I always say because Ugh. that's my fucking thing. But you got to sell the product and what made... And again, I'm, I'm coming from a craft standpoint, obviously. But if you're a smaller producer and you want people to buy your rum, do something interesting with it. I mean, Zeno and Colton both brought up a lot of a lot of barriers to entry that producers are already dealing with when it comes to rum. There's a lot of really good affordable product already out there on the market. And that's you're just going to be bashing your head against the wall, even more so, I think, than, say, whiskey and bourbon, because you're dealing with a harder to get base ingredient that you're not going to be able to get. You know, except unless you're living in a very specific region, in the, if you're in the Pacific West, Northwest, you're not growing sugarcane. So it makes it a little bit harder. So you're going to have to be creative in a different way. That's And that's what I want to see. I want to see people, and Navy Strength is one example, and that's only kind of innovative in a way. That's really more historic, I guess. But I want to see stuff like that. People kind of, you know, do the American innovation thing. Make it interesting. Let's talk about it. Let's tie in some of the history behind it and, you know, ways of aging it. There's different things you can do. So you want more colonial rums? (laughs) Absolutely. Colonialism. Let's bring it yeah. back. Yeah, there's no racism or anything involved with that. Whoa, whoa, um, back it up. <laughs> I'm just talking about a little manifest destiny. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> um uh, my thing is though, I, I want I don't want to send out the wrong message either. I'm not saying if you live in the Pacific Northwest or anywhere else for that matter, you can't make rum because using molasses or syrup or right, you could still make great rum with yeah, it, right? Absolutely. You know, there's the turbinado sugar out there that can make great rum. Like there's all kinds of things that you can do. So I'm just saying it's, I'm surprised you don't see more of those types of rums. And I actually, I think what it is for me being down here, what I've noticed is the sugar industry is dominated by refineries. It's domino sugar and everything else, but we are and sugar has been the enemy of nutrition for how long now, right? It's sugar's bad for you, sugar-free, sugar this, sugar that, right? Stevia and all these other alternatives. So I think that some of that refinery and some of that right refined sugar is going to be not all there on the table and they need to find a new outlet for it. And talking to some of these sugar mills that I have down Southern Louisiana, it seems like they're doing more work with distillers. I'm, you know, I'm not usually not the first distiller that calls. So I, I, I don't, I just want to make sure we're not saying you have to be in the right place to make it. Cause I don't truly believe that, but 
I, I think that I want to see more from those places and other places. If you want to make rum, care about your, your rum. The reason I like Maggie's Farm and Privateer is because Maggie and Maggie's, they both focus on the one thing that they do. And they try and do it really well. I'm not saying that's that that's all they make, but they focus on it where some other places they make a rum as part of their portfolio. Don't just check the box. Don't just have it on the shelf. Yeah, and yeah. I think one of the make sure it's back. not to pick on the Pacific Northwest, but since there's no sugar fields out there, one of the ways we can really step it up is, you know, we have so much access to fermentation technology now and the fermentation is one of the reasons that there's all these wild, crazy rums coming from the Caribbean is they have this you know, rich history of wild yeast that they've been cultivating for years and years. But we have access to that now, you know, 21st century. We can, we can get this. So focus on your... We can also poop in a ditch and throw some sugar on it. Sure. That's one of the technologies we now have. But so, like... I think that's that's one of the things like a lot of the innovation. I've seen less of it recently, but uh, early on in the craft spirits phase, there was a lot of oh, we can just quickly, cheaply produce rums, and like you were talking about, Zeno, not really not focus on it so much. And I think one of the things that fell down on that side was the fermentation, uh, just you know, ferment it hot, fast, and as quick as possible. Yeah. Where there's there's other factors to think about, right? Um, and you can create some of these like. Weird, yeah. crazy. If there's anything that's going to make the year of rum happen, it's going to be just a surplus of all these super unique flavors that can either come from, you know, innovation on, on the side Brian's talking about or fermentation and distillation side. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love some of the grassy notes, like how much it can taste like the raw material. It's one of the few things that comes through completely as much as any other spirit or alcoholic drink, I mean, wine, maybe not as much as wine, but you know what I'm saying? Like bourbon tastes like bourbon and single malt tastes like single malt. And you can pick out some of those grains, but sugar cane, it's like, it's what you, it almost meets its expectation with some of those really weird, like kind of cool, interesting, funky fermentations. So and it doesn't have to be like Bootsy Collins in a diaper funky. It can be like, you know, approachable funky. So I'm saying like not Basque cider maybe, but although I love Basque cider. So because I've had some rums, that I'm like, whoa, this is if someone gets that for the first time. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely I think I think there was a big sort of initial push to do that funkiness. And then it wasn't done very well. And there was a big consumer pushback. Yep. Funky town. And we need to kind of go again and say, all take right, we're going to try this again, but we're going to we're gonna take that poop in the dish. Yeah. We're going to control this poop in a dish. <laughs> Using the scientific Seven that was That was my final, that was my final thought. Wait, yeah, that all... That deal, always with your poop, deal with your poop in the ditch well. That always, that always sounded, uh, that all sounded uh, very final thoughty. Yeah, um, I can edit in a grunt at any. So point, no, so. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, edit in. No, a I grunt. think we switch out. You never edit in my grunts. All right, <laughs> I'm getting more tired. I'm getting more grunty. Um, all right. So uh, it's not final thought. It's final question this week. Is this the year of rum, Colton? No. Brian. No. <laughs> Zeno. <laughs> Uh, also, no. <laughs> <laughs> but keep making it. It's delightful. Don't let us talk you out of making rum. Well, I think I think that before the year of rum, you have to have the year before the year of rum. Yeah. 
I mean, what? Right. So what is it the year of? Oh, look at who's optimistic now. Look at you, Zeno. I'm rubbing off on you. Oh. <laughs> Different podcast. Yeah. No, Different no, podcast. same podcast. <laughs> same one. Um, what'd you say? What? what Cohen said something smart, and and Brian. I just asked what. What is it the year of? Ooh, we already did this. We already did that podcast. Episode. Boring. Check yeah. back. Let's talk with more nerd. about <laughs> FET reduction. <laughs>